The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, your host at The Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show where we explore and celebrate the principles, the practices, concepts, and tools, methods, and strategies, people, and results of workplace visuality, letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system our intelligence into the living landscape of work through visual devices, visual systems, mini systems. Why? So that our companies can reap the huge performance, business, and cultural benefits of doing so, and so that we ourselves can perform with skill and precision and flow. So we can enjoy ourselves along the way, enjoy ourselves at work. What a concept. Enjoy ourselves at work. Do the dance of work. Visuality is a language. It is the language of your intelligence as it currently is deeply embedded into the landscape of work so you can see it function and you can see where it doesn't function. It becomes physical because it is embedded through these devices. And it doesn't get there unless you put it there. But once you put it there, you have a platform for viewing, assessing, and improving your current understanding of your operational system. Okay? So we implement visuality. We get smarter about safety, about quality, speed, cost, and the resource we call geography. The geography of your facility. The geography of your company, the space. And why shouldn't that happen in every workplace? In every workspace, whatever the venue, bank, hospital, open pit, mine, factory, automobile, utilities, a space that is designed to minimize struggle and maximize excellence, repeatable excellence, whether your product takes two years to make and ship or repeatable If it slips in, the material slips in and out as finished good by noon, before noon. Hmm? Slips in the door and out the door before noon. High mix, low volume, low mix, high volume, either way. Medical, taking care of patients excellently well. Taking care of dirt in an open pit mine. (laughs) So welcome. This is the Visual Workplace. I'm glad that you have taken time to join us. 
Today we're going to be talking about the voice of the user, who owns the metric, how to improve the performance, <clears throat> pardon me, of your department or of your company by using visual metrics. This is part of our series on visual leadership. We are still in the area on the side of the equation called a supervisor as he or she becomes a leader of improvement using visuality to lead. And in this case, we're in that segment that is visual metrics. We began with visual displays. We are now moving around clockwise around the triangle to visual metrics, which inevitably will lead us to visual problem solving. And then later on, we'll look at the operations roadmap. But right now, we're in the section for supervisors, and we include in that, of course, managers. We're using the shorthand called supervisors, so I don't have to continuously say, and you don't have to continually hear, supervisors and managers are included, managers and supervisors are included. So today we deepen our examination of metrics as a component of leadership on the supervisory level. Later in the series, the series of visual leadership, we will look at how metrics play a central role for executives. Both groups are focused on becoming leaders of improvement and metrics have a huge role. But I am not talking about KPIs, although that's part of the mix. That is not what makes the paradigm shift. The metrics I'm talking about, and you're going to hear this many times today, many times next week, and you've heard it already, the metrics I'm talking about are metrics that illuminate cause. And because they illuminate cause, they drive. Metrics are rarely used in this way. But in the case of the paradigm that I've constructed that I'm presenting to you, the visual leadership becoming a leader of improvement paradigm, Both supervisors and executives use them, and it is revolutionary. I witnessed this as recently as about four months ago when we were working with a group. And the plant manager, uh, we we were doing a construct called the war room, which is part of this paradigm. And it it features on a daily basis the use of metrics that drive. Another term for metrics that drive is stacked metrics. But I don't want to talk about that today because it is a refined use of some principles that I want to explain first. But that's where we're going. They illuminate cause. Okay? So we're going to be spending time in metrics, but I want to make sure that I bring you along and give you what I've discovered about them. I have just a couple of announcements. They're going to take probably this first section. Please forgive me. So I want to thank you for your recent emails. I'm really glad that you are using the table of podcast contents that is on our website, visualworkplace.com. It's a file of all the podcasts and their descriptions in groups. There's a, a, a section now, growing section. I think we're on our 11th show on visual leadership. It's going to take a while. <laughs> These are updated after every show, usually by Friday. Sometimes it takes us until Monday if we're having a busy day doing other things. So I heard from Thelma from Oklahoma, and she wrote that she printed out the descriptions. There are about 12, 15 pages of them. I think there may be, oh, no, I'm wrong. There's 31 pages. So, you know, it's 130 shows. And she marks off each podcast as she listens to them. 
So thank you very much, Thelma, and thank you for your emails. You cannot know how encouraged I am to receive your emails. And honestly, guys, you have stepped up to the bat. We are getting five, six, seven, ten emails a week based on last year where there were hardly any. So you are, you know, expressing your thanks, but also kind of taking pity on me and keeping me going. (laughs) Sometimes I just feel like a stand-up and I can't see you out there because the lights are in the way. But when the email comes, it's like a little... Uh, a bit of encouragement from you. I know this work is good, and your job isn't to encourage me, but it still feels so nice when you do. And this email from Thelma uh, is very, very welcome. Thank you very much, Thelma. We are going to be sending you a book. So Heidi will be in touch with you, ask you which book you want, and we'll ship it off to you. Thank you for being in touch. We use you on the air. You get a book. You send in an email. We choose five a month. Okay. And speaking of Oklahoma, I'd like to remind you that I'm doing a visual thinking seminar in Oklahoma City on May the 14th and 15th. The first day will be the visual thinking seminar. The second day will be a visual side assessment of Kim Ray, pardon me, Kim Ray Manufacturing, which does controls for the oil industry. There'll be, of course, a tour of that fine facility, but the major focus of the second day will be assessing the current level of visual competency in that plant. It's a huge plant, so we'll take five or six or seven departments. Um, Our partners are sorting that out now. And we assess and then prescribe next uh, next steps for this company's journey to visuality. And it's not always the same. You have to evaluate the information density in the process itself in operations. You have to evaluate the level of improvement infrastructure already in place. But most importantly, you have to factor in the business case so that the visuality that you recommend is actually advances the business as it currently needs to be advanced. So it isn't just uh, doing things because of some prescription. It is the uh, assessment is particular to that company. AME is our sponsor along with an Oklahoma alliance called the uh, Excellence Group. It's called specifically Enterprise Excellence Group. Kevin Barber is my content he, contact. He's doing a great job. And details are on our website, visualworkplace.com, and on the AME website, ame.org. Seating is limited, and we're pretty sure we'll draw a good crowd, but there's still room, so sign up. Or if you're in this part of the country, nearer to the Northeast, we're having just three weeks after Oklahoma City a three-event visual event here in Portland, Oregon, June 3rd, 4th, and 5th. We will draw a different crowd. Our manufacturing site is Benchmade Knife. We will be doing visual thinking and then visual leadership on the second day. And on the third day, we will um, do the visual site assessment for people who You have to have attended the first day, okay, or recently attended a first day. If you can't make it in Oklahoma City and you want to come do it in in Portland, uh, let us know that particular thing, and we will uh, find room for you. Two weeks after that, in uh, the second week in June, I will be in England, and I'll be doing, as I told you before, Hotel Chocolat in Cambridge, and also the Royal Mail outside of Nottingham on two different weeks. The first one will be visual thinking. The second one will be visual leadership. They will both be a day uh, and a half or two days. The exact details are arriving, crossing the pond, 
bit by bit, and we will soon be able to post what we have collected. AME is also the sponsor, but this time it's AME in the UK. And China is still forming. It's likely in July. I hope I go, but I don't know yet. We're sorting out the details. I'll let you know when I know. Two more things. I am very much looking forward to beginning interviews again. But I tell you, rewriting and recasting my Smart Simple Design book, which has taken almost a year, it has been arduous. It's totally worth it. But I just can't split myself into any more pieces and so find enough of me to get into bed at night. It's been arduous, and interviews take a lot of work on my part. It isn't something that someone arranges. It actually is something that I have to become involved with, talk to the person, find out what their bend is, fit it into the visual workplace framework. And it it, it takes a lot of time, but I want to start bringing them back so that you hear other voices. You must be uh, uh, just tired of hearing mine. I hope not, but it could be. So interviews have been taking a back burner, but that's about to change. So please stay tuned. And I want to say the book is terrific. It's called Smart Simple Design Reloaded, Variety, Effectiveness, and the Cost of Complexity. Very worthwhile. Should be out in May. It'll be available on Kindle and print on demand through Amazon. And after we run that five or six months, then we will uh, publish the book in in uh, um, the kind of form that we can um, make it available to other distribution channels. But this book is not about visuality. It is the cause for the need of visuality and lean. Lean and visual are coping mechanisms for complexity. When we reduce complexity, we reduce the need for lean and visual. It's just the way it is, but that's another discussion for another day, another time. So let's take a quick break, and then we'll begin this week's show on the voice of the user, who owns the metric. I'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network.
listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. It's Gwendolyn. Welcome back to the Visual Workplace, our second segment. And today we are talking about who owns the metric, the voice of the user. In last week's show, we began our discussion of metrics, and that was, uh, I hope, very useful to you. And we, if you will remember, we talked about uh, KPIs, and we said the metrics that we're going to be talking about are not KPIs, though KPIs are generally the first or the second step when a company decides that they're ready for measurement systems, they'll pick up KPIs, key performance indicators. Those are the initials, KPI. But they're not universally useful for everyone. They just aren't. They do not perform on a level that will actually help you change things as part of the KPI. KPIs are used as though they can do that, but I think I have seen that their impact is minimal compared to creating a shift in the metric and using metrics in a different way. If I say slightly different way, you'll think that KPIs are okay, but the, although there is a slight difference, the difference creates an enormous change. And the reason is simply this. The reason that KPIs are okay, but they're improved and they are here to stay and they should be here to stay and they are valuable, but their improvement impact is minimal simply because they can monitor only. They simply track They simply track. They can't go beyond that. Architecturally, they they don't have the capability of doing more than monitoring and tracking, giving you feedback on performance that has already happened, but that feedback is not what I call granular. More about that in a moment. I want to first say what they don't do that the second type of metric, the one that I've been talking to you about, which I call visual metrics, can do, are designed to do, are eminently qualified, powerfully positioned to do, is to eliminate cause. KPIs do not eliminate cause. They tell you that your defects are increasing, but they don't tell you how to change it. They tell you that we've missed the promised delivery times five times last week, or even yesterday five times, but they will not tell you why or what to do about it. They tell you that, for example, in hardcore manufacturing, changeover times have improved since last month, but they won't tell you why they improved. So in one case we have some, in two cases we have a negative, mispromised delivery, defects are increasing, but we don't know what the bad causes are, And in a positive, where our changeover times are improving, 
we say, well, we're learning. We're learning how to do it. But there are causes. There are good causes that trigger good effects, good outcomes, and there are bad causes that trigger bad effects. And many time you'll, times you'll have a whole list, a whole group of good causes, but there'll be one bad cause in there, and you've got to be able to find it in order to perfect your performance because that's what we want. We want this act excellence. We have an appetite for excellence. We want it. We want to become heroes of our own lives, and we spend a lot of time at work. Causality is a component of that achievement. So KPIs will tell you that something has happened, but it won't tell you what has happened or how to improve it. And my great sensei, Shigeo Shingo, in the 1980s, he would say, as I've often quoted him, you know, a KPI is a dead body. just tells you that the body is dead. We would like to arrive at the body while it was still alive, while we can do something about it to improve it. Okay? So the name that is used for the level of detail in a metric that gives you precision, the name I use is granularity. Granularity as in grains of sand. So you see smooth glass when you look at a metric. Another pretty face that says good, bad, up, down. But what you need to see is the grains of sands themselves that are the composites of that glass. You need to see the history, the chronology, the chemistry, the composition of the glass. I hope you are getting these analogies because I want you to expect more from your measurement systems so that you, they not only work for you, but you require them to work. Perhaps no one has told you that measurement systems should work for, on your behalf, that they aren't simply emanations from the executive level saying you will have a KPI system. And if you require your measurement systems to work, you will need granularity and you will see that you need to go more deeply than the KPIs are structurally capable of uh, allowing you to. I have never found a KPI. Well, you know, they're they're good people, (laughs) but I've never found one that tells me enough for me to take precise, independent, immediate action. Those three things. Precise. That means I understand causality. Independent, meaning I know what I can do to change cause. And immediate means all the information is there. And that's what we should require from our metrics. Keep your KPIs. And this is the rule of thumb. Have your 7 10, 15, 30 KPIs that are required by your boss and your boss's boss's boss. The array. Keep it. Don't even try to dis, uh, disassemble them because you'll get into trouble because someone needs that information. Maybe not all of it, but they think they need it anyway. You better give it to them. Keep collecting it. That's just it. Sort of like working for the government. There are secret parts of the government. They need the information and don't question it. Just do it. Keep your job and keep happy. Keep them happy. But introduce into your department supervisors and managers one metric 
that illuminates cause. One visual metric. You only need one. And because every department is a dynamic system and every company is a dynamic system, by choosing one metric, you will impact the entire array. It's a very simple thing about systems, these dynamic systems, systems dynamics you may know. You know, it's a rather esoteric field because it's become very refined, but it basically means that when you impact or change one component of a system, everything else reverberates. It's like Obi-Wan Kenobi when uh, uh, oh, that planet, uh, what was it, Kavanaway or something like that, this, the one planet where, uh, where um, Princess Leia was from. When the planet exploded, he felt a tremor in the force because the position, the p- proposition there when we're looking at the universe is that it's a single system. And then when we, in, 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 at least by galaxies, then when we impact one part, when we explode a planet, it's going to have reverberations. You can feel it. So that's a negative outcome, but the same thing is a positive outcome. When we change one thing in a system in a positive way, it has an impact. I told you the story, the morphogenic fields that I told you about about two years ago with the 100th monkey. I won't repeat it now, but it's the same thing. So when you adopt... You take one of your KPIs and you shift it into, you shift it into a visual metric. You only need one. Actually, I find it very difficult to shift KPIs into uh, visual metrics because they have a certain architecture and they just are kind of rigid, useful rigid. I'm going to tell you about another way. So just erase that part, that idea that you can actually shift KPIs, but keep the KPIs and choose one metric. I'll talk about that in a moment. Okay, so hear me again. Clearly, KPIs are useful. They have a place, an important place in which we can understand our business better, but they have severe limitations. And if we don't realize that, we will expect them to perform on a level that they, are never, they have never been constructed to encompass. For example, I take boxing lessons. I want to be a great boxer. What a joke. I mean, it's, it's almost unspeakably impossible. I want to spar with grace and ease. I want to have enough breath to keep me from panting. But this person, Gwendolyn Denise Gowsworth, is not constructed that way. Even if I had started in my teens, those low, those many decades ago, I would maybe be okay, but I would never really be a nifty boxer. The architecture isn't there. The chemical and structural components of moi are not there. I can dream about it, and I don't, by the way, but it ain't going to happen. I box for exercise so that when I get old and gray, I can open my own jars and bend over and tie my own shoes, and it works for me on that level. But structurally, the limitation is there, and it's that way with KPIs. You can be clever about positioning them, making them pretty, You can put them on a rotating stand on wheels. You can take the darn thing to your KPIs to lunch if you want to. But they will not help you with what numbers are really about in my book, and that is improvement, causality. For that to happen, we need a shift. 
And some will see this shift as tiny, barely noticeable, but I see it as huge because it is a shift in principle. We shift from KPIs to visual metrics. Look, all measurement systems are visible, but in my dictionary, only visual metrics produce improvement because that is their purpose. Improvement is about changing cause because when you change cause, you change the outcome, the effect. Increasing defects, long changeover times, bingo on-time delivery, all of these are cause, both the negative and the positive. Change the cause, change the effect. Want the effect to change, change the causes. That's the scientific method. We identify and control the so-called variables, the, cause, cause, the causes, the variables, the factors. And we engage our measurement systems to help us do that. You know, I've said this before. I'm going to say it again. When you look at Toyota, understand, in my view anyway, in Gwendolyn's view, that Toyota is quintessentially at its core, at its heart, about the study of causality. That's it. Everything else derives from that heart of the Toyota production system, for example. Hmm? It functions as a paradigm of causality. And it's easy to say, if that is so, then it is also a paradigm of excellence. Because excellence is caused. It doesn't happen by magic, doesn't happen by accident. It's real. Causality is at the heart. All else is a derivative. And it's a vast derivative. Thousands, millions of consulting practices are embracing lean, and lean is about causality. But we don't talk about it that way, so we kind of miss the point, and we have an array of tools that are only superficially useful to us, but we must require of our tools. Remember my shows on Borg quality, Borg metrics? We must require Borg... Um, statistics. We don't want vanilla. We want Cherry Garcia. Okay? We don't want it homogenized. We must have the granularity. We must have the components that we can separate and know they are separate. All right, so we're going into our second break, and when we come back, I want to ramp up to the definition and the... um, discussion of metrics as I promised today. Okay, see you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Game-changing technologies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive for a reason. They shake up the status quo. They get you thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow. They move you in amazing new directions. You're invited to take a coffee break with Game Changers on Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time for our special series on today's top big data innovators. Learn about emerging big trends and technologies and how you can grow your business and profit. Startup Focus with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. This is Gwendolyn, and welcome to the third segment of our show. You know, it always takes me a while to kind of ramp up to the main topic, and I hope that you understand that what I conceive of the show as is a conversation uh, not as a kind of exposition. I want to bring as many people along as possible, and I have to talk to you, the many different voices and many different minds that are out there listening in different ways, and that's my attempt. So what we're looking at now is the second major component of visual leadership on the supervisory level, visual metrics. Executives will share this category of function in our visual leadership model, the one that we're walking through now. We're in show 11, but today we're focusing on supervisors. So there are two advanced organizers for all visual metrics, two advanced principles. The first is to answer the question, who owns the metric? And the second, which is linked, closely linked, is finding and using the voice of the user, finding and utilizing the voice of the user. So the first one, who owns the metric? In the larger scheme of things, you could say all metrics are owned by executives because they're triggered there. It's the executive that issues the mandate. There will be KPIs, generate them, report back on me, send me paper, and the, the executive will read these KPIs from the Netherlands from the hinterlands, I should say, these KPIs. Hmm? But a supervisor can start visual metrics without that mandate the way I described before the break, which is to keep collecting your KPIs but choose a metric. And choose is actually someone else is going to choose it, as you may be anticipating. Okay, so find the wiggle in the system and start experimenting with your cap- with a new kind of measurement called a visual metric. You need only one because your department is a system. And because if you change, you improve that metric, it will 
touch everything else. It will touch everything, like the body. You hit me in the toe, I'm going to feel it in my brain, my heart, my fingertips, my eyeballs. The whole system responds. (laughs) Causality. But supervisors can and almost always do take an early start on visual metrics, way before executives. We're not talking exactly about implementation sequence now, but believe me, in order to get the executives aligned, you better get the operational floor to be responsive, transparent, and, and with a voice of its own. Then executives will leave their sealed offices and they will begin to venture forth because they are not venturing forth into chaos but uh, into some stability. So, I want to tell you a story. So, the first question is, who owns the metric? The person who causes it or who can observe the cause. So, in a department, in a department, that is typically the operator. And there are a few little slices of this that I think we'll be able to get to today. So, the operator... If you're talking about a department, owns the metric. If you're talking about a nursing station and you have the wonderful nurse practitioners, the nurse practitioners are going to own it because they own the causality. They own the effect immediately. And they participate or contribute to or observe the causes. So they are close enough to the experiment, if you will, to the Petri dish to be able to track cause through a metric. I'm going to be talking about tracking cause through a metric next week. The show will be called in the title somewhere. It'll say stack metrics. I'm so excited about sharing this with you, but I can't do it out of sequence because you won't use it correctly or I worry that you might not use it correctly unless you know its origins. So who owns the metric is the person, people closest to the cause Now, if you've got trouble with incoming material, it's non-certifiable or you pass it through and it's bad, the cause is outside the building. But we're talking about a simpler scenario where we're, for example, assembling. Okay? So let's keep it simple first. Don't think about all the exceptions. Just follow the logic and then you'll be able to make an adjustment right for you. So... The second question, which is voice of the user. The voice of the user is the person who's using the metric, who is responsible for changing it, meaning improving it, who is responsible for causing it so that it is good, or a person who receives it. So it's either the way the the cluster of user that I nor- that I identify is a little bit of upstream, a little bit of downstream. You either cause the problem, receive the problem, or send the problem forward. So it's either upstream, upstream in your department, or it is at stream, it's you. Upstream is causing it, at stream is causing it, or could be causing it, and downstream immediately, handoff is receiving it. Those are the three components of people interested in changing that metric. I don't want to receive junk from you. I'm going to help you 
find cause so that you send me good stuff. I don't want to make junk. I'm going to pay attention to cause at my station because I want to send you good junk. I mean, I'm sorry, good stuff. No such thing as good junk unless, you know, anyway, let's not go there. You're an antique dealer. (laughs) I'm joking. Or upstream, I don't want to send you uh, bad stuff operator, so let me participate as well because I may be contributing to the cause. So you have a little bit of cross-functionality, but it really is the stream, right? So those people participate very, very naturally, but you have to find the voice. So I'm going to tell you a story that happened on a management level and stepped down, and this is a real story that I came across about 20 years ago. It was on my birthday. Three things happened on my birthday. This is about a decade between each birthday. This is one of them. It was like, I remember it because it was like a birthday gift. So there was these three convenience stores, like a 7-Eleven, a chain of three. And the manager of the store, I should say the owner of the store, was worried because when he gave his quarterly report, and it was usually in the back of a pizza parlor, he brought the managers together of the three stores, they would always fall asleep. They'd have pizza, and then they were like, they would check out. He couldn't get their attention. He noticed this. Every time he had the quarterly meeting, it was like they fell asleep. So he watched very carefully. And he realized that he was making a mistake. Now, I'm going to move around a little bit before we get to visual metrics and my point is made, but listen closely. And he said to himself, this time it's going to be different. I need to announce a 2.09 shortfall on revenue at this quarterly meeting, but no one will fall asleep. No one. So he began to think, and he began to do what I call a step-down. He was searching for a voice that his managers could hear, and he would know that it was, he had found the voice if they could be triggered into action, if they could be made to own the 2.09% of shortfall. And this was his progression. And you can do this. He began, as people were eating, you know, there were four people in the room, eating their their pizza or their spaghetti and meatball, something that sits on the stomach. And he said, you know, we've had a a shortfall over the last quarter of uh, 2.09%. And the eyelids began to close. But he went on. He said, do you know what that means? That means a loss of $244,000. Huh. That's a quarter of a million dollars, just $6,000 short of a quarter of a million dollars. And he noticed right away that they were paying just a little bit more attention. But I want to tell you why. Because this is what you're going to be seeing. You're going to be seeing the opportunity for these managers to identify with the metric. And by identifying with the metric, they begin to own it. They begin to own the causality in that metric. This is a really cool story because of how it ended up. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll pick it up after the break. I think this may, I wanted to tell you another story. I'll save it for next week. But this one will, I think, make the point of getting people to own the metrics so that they want to change it because they know they can. And if you say to someone, we are 2.09% off our revenue target, they say, oh, what? So what? 2%? That sounds great. Only 2%? 2% of anything is like, ugh, you got 98% that worked. <laughs> you got to change it. You got to find that voice so people own. I'll see you after the break. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790 or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. It's Gwendolyn. Welcome to the last segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. And we are talking about translating measures into the voice of the u- user, into the user's voice so that the user, in this case, we're, in the case that you may be thinking about it, your operators, will own it. But in some cases, it's the plant manager translating the, the metric into the voice of the supervisor. So the supervisor is motivated, not only motivated to change it, but can see the way. So in our scenario, and this is a true one, of the, these three convenience stores, the owner of the three convenience stores says, I'm going to get a different response from these three managers. We've had a 2.09% shortfall over the last quarter, and that means $244,000 off or $6,000 short of a half a million dollars, and he continued. 
And that, my friends, means a shortfall of $81,333.33 per store. And do you know what that means? And he saw they were paying attention. That's a shortfall per week across all three stores of $6,777.77 across all three stores. And that means each store had a shortfall per week of $2,259.26 per store per week. And do you know what that means per store hour? It's a convenience store, 24 hours a day. That $244,000, 2.09% shortfall, means we lost $26.90 per store per hour. Per store per hour. Well, the store managers were on their feet. They said, oh my gosh, is that all? Well, that means all I have to do is get 87 customers every hour to spend an extra 31 cents before they leave the store or 20 people to spend a dollar. 20 people to spend a dollar and 10 cents, a candy bar. I can do that. I can do that. And that is the response you want. As soon as your user says, I can do that, you know that you are on a deep enough level of granularity for them to be able to identify with cause. I can do that. I can get people to buy another candy bar. We just have to kind of market it differently, put some special sales. Yeah, that's exciting. I want to do that. Extra $26.90 an hour? Well, we'll have to kind of amp it up in the daylight hours because it's slow at night. But I can do that, boss. And suddenly, instead of lecturing at, your, at his managers, he has three partners who are excited about making a contribution because they can identify with it and they can see that they can make a contribution. And that contribution is called cause. They can cause an improvement. And that's what I want you to get. And I want you to get, ladies and gentlemen, that KPIs don't give us this opportunity to think in this way, to identify with the KPIs because they are not constructed to. But that doesn't need to stop you. They have a purpose. They're useful, but don't expect them to trigger improvement. And instead, say, I need to create a metric that will illuminate cause so people can identify with that cause and will want to change the cause. So it's reconstructing reconceptualizing your metric system or your metric, I call it a visual metric, just one. One that will illuminate cause and as soon as cause is illuminated, you know what you can do as a supervisor, you can drive. And in companies that have self-directed teams, they will use stack metrics that illuminate cause and they will drive themselves and they will create new worlds. They're self-directed. Or supervisor, you as a leader, 
you set it up. I might have time to tell you one little story because I want you to be aware of this. <laughs> Which story shall I tell? I'll tell you this story first. If I don't get through with it, it'll, it'll be a cliffhanger and you'll, you'll come back next week. So about 25 years ago, I was working with an overall and repair aerospace company. It was, called, it was in Southington. It was part of the Pratt & Whitney Group in Southington, Connecticut. And there was, I mean, the manager of this plant manager, he was very tightly, tightly wrapped. It was during the time when zero defects was on everybody's uh, uh, um, brain. And I had sent a proposal with a defect. He said, I almost turned you down because, you know, my secretary found, there were secretaries at that time, uh, found a typo. If you can send me a corrected proposal, I will consider it. And I thought, oh, yeah, sure, I'll do that. And I did. And I got in the door. And we started our work. And, And he said, look, what I want you to do is I want you to get the standard hours to improve because we are quoting a certain number of hours and we keep on missing it. This is overhaul and repair. We're missing it all the way upstream. Upstream, the second process, after these engines, they were engines, are uh, t- torn down and cleaned, when they go to the first machining operations, it just, our time gets eaten up. The standard hours are way off. I need you to improve the standard hours. Well, I heard that as trouble. I thought, oh, my goodness, what he's asking me to do, I, who am steeped in causality and steeped in the 95-5 ratio, value-add versus non-value-add, he wants me to work on the value-adding part. When you ask people to improve their standard hours, you are working on the value-adding component of the operation. I thought, oh, golly, I'm in trouble. But I flew it anyway. I said, okay, we're going to improve. Because, you know, I was young then. I had, I'm 32 years into this field now. I was six or seven years, which is very, very young for a coach, consultant, trainer, uh, you know, thought, thought person or whatever. You're learning a lot all the time, the hard way. And I said to him, uh, so I said to the group, I said, okay, Your boss, Mr. So-and-so, he wants us to work on standard hours, and I knew it was going to happen, and it happened. The room went dead silent in this kind of dark, hovering, menacing, dark gray. And anybody could have felt it, and I felt it. I said, whoa, 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 what happened? Come on, come on, tell me. Well, that's not our problem. Our problem isn't that our standard hours are not enough or we're not using them well. That's not our problem. We don't want to measure our performance against standard hours. And I had the good sense. Sometimes I have it. Sometimes I don't. But that day I had it. I said, okay, what do you want to measure? And they said, give us a minute. So I said, okay, I'm going to go out, have a drink of water, come back in about seven or eight minutes. Will you tell me then? Yeah. Went out, had a drink of water, came back in. This is going to be the cliffhanger. And this is second operation, overall repair. They said, okay, we figured it out. What we want to measure is dirt. We want to measure dirt. So I'm going to leave it there. 
But what happened as a result was they, we constructed a measure they completely owned in their voice, and they drove that son of a gun right through. It was amazing. So I hope I've given you a profile of how to approach measurements in a way that's much more dynamic, much more interesting, and that will move you forward. And we will pick up this discussion next week. We'll move from that to stack metrics. And then probably after that show, we'll shift over to problem solving. And then after a couple of shows of that, two or three shows of that, maybe I'll have an interview, have another mailbag. And we'll move over to the executive side of the equation. I hope you're enjoying this. I want to thank you for your encouraging emails sent to radio at visualworkplace.com because, you know what, it helps to hear from you. helps my little heart. Okay, this is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm signing off. I had a wonderful time with you today. See you the next time. appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com the voice america talk radio network is the worldwide leader in live internet talk radio visit voiceamerica.com the views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the voice america talk radio network its staff and management